This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope that you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Luke 18, please. I'll give you the verses in a moment. But just as we're, we are at the start of a new year, I was sitting thinking, you know, in 2014, did you achieve all that you wanted to in 2014? I wanted to think spiritually. Um, did you achieve? Or can you say to yourself, I took steps forward in my walk with God? Did I, do I know him more this year than I did last year? In 2013, did you take a step forward? Maybe you took a step backwards. And I want us just this morning, just to, just at the start of the year, just gather all our thoughts together again and gather ourselves together and forgetting about 2014, but gathering our thoughts to look forward into 2015. Because I think you'll say the same as me. I want 2015 to be better than 2014. Just as I wanted 2014 to be, 20, to be better than 2013 and so on. You know, and just a while back there, I just thought of, there was a scripture just came to my mind. I was thinking one day, and I maybe said this before, and I think, you know, I, I'm, well, I'm 45 next week. So I am. And I'm thinking... How long? I know this might sound a little bit morbid, so it is. <laughs> but it's good sometimes to ask yourself questions. How long have I got? I know that sounds really odd. Some of you are thinking I have a lot less than you, Martin. So yeah. But sometimes it's just good to ask yourself that question from a spiritual perspective. How long have I got left? And how long have I got left to serve the Lord? Because, as Pastor said last week, and we've seen events this week, just how quick life can end. Just how quick you can go out the door and not return. You know, the, the, the Bible says that our life is like a shadow. It's like a weaver's shuttle. It's quick. Now we look at 70, 80, 90 years that the Lord allows us and we think that's a long time. But in the vast scheme of things, it's nothing. So 2015, I want us to look forward with anticipation, but also that we're going to achieve something with God. Listen, put everything else to the side. Yes, there's things we'll achieve in life. Or there's things we'll achieve in jobs. Or there's things we'll achieve in school, in college, in university, or wherever you find yourself. But we want to achieve things with God this year. Because that is the most important thing. Because when we stand before God, he's going to look at our achievements for him. And it's a good way to start the year. Lord, I want to achieve this year for you. So that's why I've turned to Luke 18. 
Because how are we going to start this year? And I want to draw your attention to Luke 18 and the story of the blind beggar in verse 35. Because I want to speak to you just briefly this morning and start the year and consider starting the year with renewed prayer. Because if there's one thing that we're going to need in 2015, it's prayer, fellowship with God himself, communion with God, seeking God's face. Now, maybe you turned around and you said to yourself, when I said prayer, that's tough. And yes, it's tough at times. You know, one minister has put it, prayer is the easiest thing in the world. But prayer is also the hardest thing in the world. But we have to knuckle down, as my father used to say, that was one of his words. You have to knuckle down in prayer and seek the face of God. And I want us to look at look 18 here and just take some encouragements, some examples from this story and see if we can apply them to our lives for 2015. Because when we come to the end of the year, and I'm praying for, for myself, I want to be able to say, God, I know you more this year than I knew you at the start of the year. I've known you more in 2015 than I knew you in 2014. And I believe you're going to say the same thing. And if you're not, well, I think you need to look at a few things. But I believe we want to look forward and say, God, I want to know you. So let's read a few verses. Verse 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do, you want me to, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Great story. It's a wonderful story. Here was a man who was a blind beggar. A blind beggar. Couldn't see. And he's sitting by the roadside. And he's asking, and he, all of a sudden he hears this commotion. There's crowds. Could be hundreds, could be thousands. But it was a big crowd. And he's thinking to himself, what's going on here? So he turns around to some of the crowd and he's inquiring, what does this mean? What does this mean? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now this man, I'm almost sure, without a shadow of a doubt, had heard the stories of Jesus. Because Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem here. He's going up for the, for the Last Supper and to be crucified on the cross. But in all of these areas, the fame of Jesus had went about of the miracles, of the healings, of the changed lives, of the people set free from procession. 
And this man, without a shadow of a doubt, believe he had heard of the fame of Jesus. But he's just a blind beggar. And maybe he said to himself, wonderful stories. But how am I ever going to meet Jesus? How am I ever going to see Jesus? I'm sitting here in Jericho. Jesus is away somewhere else. But in this particular day, Jesus comes to him. Jesus is coming through Jericho. And he says, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity to get my miracle. This is my opportunity to come to Jesus and he can set me free. Do you believe that Jesus wants to answer your prayer? I'm asking you that seriously. I'm asking you to think about it. Not an off-the-cuff remark. Because sometimes I ask myself these things. Do I really believe these things? Do I really believe that Jesus can hear my prayer and can answer my prayer? Answer you, ask yourself that this morning. Do we believe that Jesus can answer our prayer? Because this man did. He had heard of him. He had heard the fame. And he says, if I could only meet Jesus, I would be set free. He would hear my prayer and I would be able to see again. Now, when we think about prayer and we settle down to prayer, we think, is God really there? And there's times when you go into your prayer room and you think, I'm talking to the wall. I'm talking to the ceiling. I'm talking to myself. But we have to see that Jesus is there. That God is there. When we close that door, he is there to meet with us. He has come to us. The minute we close that door, he has come to us. And for this blind beggar, Jesus had come to him. And this blind beggar thought, this is my opportunity. So when we close our door of our prayer room, we close the door of our mind, we're meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you believe that? That may sound simple to you this morning, but I want us to really ask ourselves these questions. Do we believe that we are meeting with God Almighty himself? Because he has come to us. He has come to us. Look what they said to him. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And I don't believe this beggar sat and thought about it for a few minutes. I believe immediately. He cried out. It says, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't think there was much of a gap. He knew Jesus was here. And he said, I am going to cry out to him. And it, says, it doesn't say he cried out. This is prayer in action. He cried out to God in prayer. Son of David, have mercy on me. Are you crying out? Are you crying out to God in prayer? When you close your door, we have to realize as we open our mouths, we're crying out to God. We are in communion immediately with God. And yes, we love to feel it. 
Yes, we love to sense it. But maybe at that initial moment, we don't. But nothing has changed. We are in communion with Almighty God. And he wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to cry out to him. He has come in. Now the ball's in our court. Will we talk to him? Will we talk to him? And talk to him about the things that concern us and concern him. And the minute you're going to start to cry out, if you look at what happens, it says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And the minute you cry out, everything is going to try and stop you. Everything is going to try and close your mouth. Everything is going to try and keep you quiet. The crowd said, be quiet. You know, when you sit and you think about the crowd said, be quiet, he must have been loud because there was hundreds, maybe thousands of people here. I mean, you see maybe sometime in television, hundreds of people jockeying to get close to someone. Maybe it's at a football match. Maybe it's whatever it is. There's crowds around and everybody's shouting and screaming and squealing. You see some of the old footage, you know, it's usually always women, so it is. Although, well... You know, at years ago when you seen the Beatles and stuff and there's women screaming and crying and fainting in the ground and I don't understand that, but, you know. But you take that as an example. Take that as an illustration. They're crying out. This man must have been loud. This man was making a nuisance out of himself. This man was disturbing the peace. This man was louder than everyone else. Because this man was desperate for Jesus. And that doesn't mean you go into your prayer room and you shout the house down. You know what I mean? I think it was Ken told me a story, or it was Clifford told me a story one time he was praying in the house. And Clifford at that time lived in a terrace house. So I did. And he knew that he seen the neighbour coming past the window to wrap the door. Basically to tell him to keep quiet. <laughs> so you have to take into consideration where you are, listen, you don't have to shout, but listen, you can cry in the silence of your heart, in the quietness of your mind. But have you, is, is your situation, is, is your circumstance, has it stopped you crying out? Has it said to you, what are you talking about? What are you crying for all the time? Listen, it's finished. It's over. What you're asking for is an impossibility. Because you've maybe been praying for quite a while for it. And the circumstance is saying, forget about it. Don't be annoying the master. And the devil comes in and he says, you look like a fool. What are you crying for? Sure, you've been doing this for, you, for ages. And maybe for you it's been a long time. But what did he do? He cried out all the more. Listen, your situation, the enemy, the world has said, has stopped you, has stopped some of you from crying out. You've stopped praying for situations that you know God has promised you. And you've looked at the situation, you think it'll never happen. 
And it's, it stopped you from crying out. It stopped you. It says, no more. And listen, maybe you have listened to that this morning. Maybe you have said, I've stopped praying about that because the situation's not changing. But listen, I believe the Lord's saying this today. Start crying out again. Start crying out again. Because Jesus is here. Jesus is there. And he's here to meet with us. And this is why I'm saying to us, ask yourself the question, do we believe that Jesus wants to answer our prayers? And the answer to that is yes. But we need to cry out to him. If you look at this situation, Jesus had come, come to Jericho, but he was passing by. And the, the beggar had to cry out. He had to cry out. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, be quiet. Shut up. Close your mouth. You're an embarrassment. You've been doing this for ages now. But he went on and he got louder. He cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, some of us need to start crying out again this morning. I believe God has challenged us to cry out, start again at the start of 2015. Start crying out to God again in prayer. Start claiming his promises. Start claiming what God has told you is for you. Listen, get your Bible open in front of you and start to look at the promises of God. And start to claim them for yourself. God's promises. Now I'm talking more than possessions. I'm talking more. And I'm talking more than, than, than things that we can just put our hands on. Do you know the things that are most desperate in your heart? And most dear to your heart? And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I love what it says, and it says, and Jesus stopped. And Jesus stopped. And again, you've got to picture the scene. Hundreds of people, thousands of people, and Jesus stopped. Reminds me of the, 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 the little widow woman with the issue of blood. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, and, there was, and she touched it, and he stopped. I said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciple said, everybody's touched you. But someone touched him with intention. And this is what this beggar has done. Jesus has stopped because someone has cried out to him with intention. They've cried out to him with faith. I love that. Jesus stopped. You used to look at the, the situation of the beggar. He's a blind beggar. And you may be this morning, take this in with the analogy, you may feel in your life, well, I'm just a blind beggar. I'm no better than him. Well, listen, you're in the perfect place to get Jesus' attention. You're in the perfect place to get Jesus' attention this morning. Because one voice in the midst of hundreds or maybe thousands, and Jesus stopped. Your voice, your prayer can stop Jesus in his tracks and turn his attention to you. I hope that encourages you this morning. 
Your one voice can stop Jesus. And he can turn towards you. Do you believe that this morning? Your one voice, your little voice that you may call it, can stop Jesus in his tracks. You know, I, was, I wonder about this when Jesus stopped. Did, the, did everything go silent? Did everything go silent all of a sudden? The crowd went, and all the focus then was on the blind beggar and Jesus. It's as if the voice just cut through all of the crowd, through all of the voices, through all of the voice of the enemy, telling him to be quiet and close his mouth. But he raised his voice and it cut through it all. And Jesus heard it. Have you stopped praying? Have you stopped crying out? Listen, at the start of 2015, start crying out again. I believe God is saying that to us. Start crying out again. Because your voice will cut through the crowd. Cut through the nonsense. Cut through the world. Cut through the flesh. Cut through the enemy. And Jesus will stop. And you can have communion with him. If you've stopped crying out, start crying out again. Because Jesus will stop and listen to you. Jesus stopped. And what did he say? And commanded him to be brought to him. It wasn't over. Once Jesus stops, that's the time to start doing business with Jesus. That's the time to start pressing in. That's the time to write, let's get down to business. Because God wants you to do business with him. And he wants to do business with you. I always think of Moses. Sorry, it was Abraham with Solomon and Gomorrah. And Moses as well with the children of Israel. And it always amazes me the sway that God allowed them to have with himself. They wrestled with God for the people. I think of Solomon, Gomorrah, and Abraham. He says, you know, where, where God was going to punish Solomon and Gomorrah. And he went, you know, there's, there's 50 righteous or 40 righteous and on down and down until he, he stopped. But look at the sway he had with God. God was going to stop judging Solomon and Gomorrah for the words of a man. For Moses... God was going to wipe the children. He had enough of them. They moaned, they cried, they gurned. He'd done great miracles for them. And the very next day, they were moaning and crying and gurning again. He brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them. For hundreds of years, they'd been oppressed. And then they got the next day in a little hardship. And they wanted to go back. And God thought, I've had enough of these people. But Moses stood in the gap for them. What sway did Moses have with God for these people? Do you think you can have that sway with God? Well, listen, get down to business with God and you may discover just how much sway you have with God. Now, when I say sway, it's not manipulation. It's how much God will listen to you and what God will do in you, to you, and through you. You will be amazed what he will do. Press into God.
He commanded him to be brought to him. Bring him closer. Draw unto God. Once Jesus stops, sometimes you think, we're waving from a distance. Hi, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for stopping. I love that, your presence. But there's more. There's always more with God. He commanded him to be brought closer. Brought to him. So then he went on. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Sounds like a bit of a stupid question, doesn't it? But what do you want him to do? What do you want from me? You see, we're going to your prayer room and you sort of, it's the shotgun approach. God, I want this and I need this and I need that. And your mind's all over the place. Your heart's all over the place. And you're thinking to yourself, you're just, a, it's all scatty. I've been there, I know what I'm talking about. And then there's other times you go in and you think, this is just nice and there's a flow and the, you know, a, there's, there's business, there's, there's, there's a reality to it. And sometimes we're like that when we go before God, that we really know what we want. Now again, I'm talking more than we, the, the possessions and things that we can put our hands on because God wants more than that for us. God wants the deeper things of himself. He wants to give, us to, wants to give them to us. But he's saying, draw closer. What do you want me to do? If God came down to you now, right here in this room and says, what do you want me to do? Jason, what do you want me to do? Could you tell him straight away? Could Gary tell him straight away? Could Brian tell him straight away? I think we would have to think a wee bit about it. Because sometimes what we're looking for, we haven't really thought too much about it. Because we're asking for things that really aren't in his will that aren't according to his plans for our lives. We're asking for things that really we haven't thought through and that if he grants them to us, they're going to come between him and us. That they're for us, for ourselves. And say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And then that gift becomes a curse because we find ourselves drawn away from God. I think when we ask for the things of God and for God to, to bless us and for things in prayer and for the will of God, it should be drawing us closer to God. It should be drawing, give it, yes, we should be giving thanks, but it should be drawing us closer to God. It should, be, it should be a revelation of his heart towards us. The Bible says you have not because you ask not, because you ask amiss. Because you ask amiss. And I think sometimes when, we, when we, we're not getting close to God, and we could be praying, but at surface, it's, it's the, from a distance that we're asking amiss because we really don't know. But as we draw close to God, as Jesus says, commanded to bring him on, to, bring, him, bring him here. Come closer. I believe the closer we get to God, the less we will ask amiss because we'll know the will of God. The closer we get to him, I believe we'll have more of our prayers answered 
because we'll know it is according to his will. It's according to his plan. And this is where we need to say, Lord, help me to pray according to your will. What is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? Rather than sailing through life and picking things up along the way that you need for your life as you're walking along. But saying, Lord, I want your will. What did Jesus say? Father, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. Sometimes we're asking amiss. Think about what you're asking for. What's the ramifications of it if God grants it to you? What will its effects be in your life? Will you use it for God's glory and honor? Or will you use it on yourself? And this is what he's saying because you ask amiss. God's looking at us to draw close. And the closer we get to him, the less we will ask amiss. And the more of our prayers we'll see answered. So what did the beggar say? He knew exactly what he wanted. Lord, let me recover my sight. Lord, let me recover my sight. I love the specifics of it. This is what drew my attention to this passage. How specific are you in prayer? How specific are you? Is it that shotgun approach? Or is it, Lord, that's what I want. That's your will for my life. Now, I want that. Because this, this beggar was specific. Lord, let me recover my sight. And if we take this as a, a, in the spiritual aspect, we're saying, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes to what is important. Open my eyes to what you have for my life. Open you, my eyes to the promises of God. Open my eyes to your presence. Open my eyes and show me your perfect will and your perfect plan for my life. Because in general in life we make plans, that's true. But in the midst of them are we acknowledging him. Acknowledge the, way, the Lord in all your ways. Lean not on to your own understanding. It's not wrong to, to plan and go forward and, and, and be moving in a certain direction. But if it's caveated with, Lord, but let thy will be done, then the Lord is free to come in and say, I want to take you in a different direction. I'm going to take it off at the next junction here because I've got another plan for you. Or you may be on the right road and you're asking, Lord, I ask for your blessings upon this road. I ask that I'll bring glory and honor to you on this road. It doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're away from the will of the Lord. Maybe some of you are on it. But you don't know how to walk on it. This is where we draw close to him. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, let me recover my sight. What did Jesus say? And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Recover your sight. What did he get? He got exactly what he asked for. He got exactly what he asked for. Recover your sight. He knew what the will of the Lord was. He knew that Jesus had come by. He knew that Jesus was the answer. He knew Jesus was the way. He knew Jesus could touch him. He cried out to Jesus to touch him. And what did he get? 
he got what he asked for. He recovered his sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it give praise to God. There's a prayer and an answer to prayer that was perfectly in the will of God. Because what did it bring? He recovered his sight and followed him. It should draw us closer to God. If it's pushing us away from God, listen, we're better without it. Glorifying God. He glorified God in his life. And what about all the people around that seen it? And all the people who were telling them to shut up and keep quiet. And all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. Sometimes you're going to have to beat through the people. And they're going to look at you and th- I'm sure the blind beggar says, you told me to shut up. <laughs> you told me to close my mouth. Look what I have got. Look what God has done for me. Look what God has done in my life. He has answered my prayer. 2015. More Pentecostal church. 2015. That's full of potential. That is full of potential. Because most of us thought about, you know, the personal things in our lives. But we're part of this church. More of Pentecostal Church 2015. What do we want to see here in 2015? Well, let me tell you about some of the things that you can ask for as a church. We want to ask for souls this year. God, give us souls this year. Because we're not just here, and I understand. You come and you be encouraged and strengthened by the word of God and God encourages us, but it's for a purpose. We are here as a church to reach the lost. Only the church can reach the lost. The true church of Jesus Christ can reach the lost. Government can't do it. It's not the government's job. God has given a commission to the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then it goes on, it talks about laying hands on the sick, seeing them healed and set free. But we're looking for the healed and the set free before we've done the first bit. What are you praying this year for Mora Pentecostal Church? Your church. You are the church. You are Mora Pentecostal Church. We're asking for souls. We're asking that God will be glorified and honored. That these this house would be full. Can God do that? Well, if we start crying out, and as God starts dealing with us, I believe God will answer our prayer. But we have to start crying out. I know my heart. Can I say genuinely I've been crying out? and I couldn't say genuinely yes. And you have to answer that for yourself as well. But the challenge of 2015, it's a year full of so much potential. Could this be the year that God breaks through in a way that we have never seen before? Jesus is passing by. Are we crying out? Are you crying out in your private prayers and devotions? Are we crying out in 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 our congregation 
prayer and devotions. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. But I believe God wants to, wants to meet with his people again. And he wants to open our eyes. Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Let's start being specific with God this year. What do you want? And you may ask that and say, I can't ask that because I've got this in my life. and I'm de-. Listen, what do you want? And then let God deal with all the other things. God will start to move things in your life. God will start to change things in your life. God will start to put things into your life. And God will start to take things out of your life. But listen, knowing that he is working to answer your prayer. To answer your prayer. Now it may not happen in a week. It may not happen in a month. It may not happen in 2015. Because when you say to God and you pray to God, there's two things God does. He doesn't tell you how he's going to do it and he doesn't tell you when he's going to do it. But let me, let me read one scripture to you here. And we're going to finish with this. in 1st John I think on the notes all all over the place but this is one thing we can be sure of when we pray according to the will of God and we're asking these things of Jesus and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Let me read it again. And this is the confidence, confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. That sounds like a surety to me. That sounds like a sure thing to me. How and when is in the hands of God. But we can be sure that we're asking according to the will of God, we will have it. Because we will have the requests that we have asked of him. But, If it's not this year, I don't say that with faithlessness. We get to the end of this year, we'll be a lot closer to it. And we'll be a lot stronger in ourselves. And God will say, I want you to pray more. I want you to pray deep. I want you to ask me for that. And you look and think, what? And God say, yes, ask me for it. And I will give you it. God wants us to cry out to him. God wants us to be a praying people. If the blind beggar had not cried out, would he have got what he would he have got what he wanted? The answer is no. So with that, if you don't cry out, will you get what you want?
we have to say no. But God wants to honor us. God wants to bless us. God wants to answer our prayers for the glory of his name. 2015 is a year full of potential. And it's, you, know, you know what it's like, resolutions. And I'm talking more than resolutions. We, we say we're going to do this, and then we get six months into it, and we forgot all about what we do. Listen, let's, let's be consistent. Let's be determined this year to seek God's face. Because who knows what God can do? Who knows what God can do? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, your word says that we can be confident. That that confidence is towards you. That if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. And if we know that you hear us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of you. Lord, I want to thank you that you are a God who answers prayer. Lord, you are a God who answers prayer. Lord, you don't tease us. You don't dangle it in front of us and then whip it away from us. But you are a God who gives what you said you will give. Lord, at the start of this year, we cry out to you. We want to know you more. We want to know you more. Lord, we ask you that you would put prayers in our hearts and as individuals, Lord God, maybe specific individuals in here just to privately pray for specific things. But Lord, I pray that you would give them the grace to open their mouths and cry out to you with determination, with strength until that answer comes. Lord, as a body of your people, Put a spirit of prayer upon us. Because Lord, if we ask according to your will, we will get it. But if we don't ask according to your will, we won't get it. And if we don't ask anything, we won't get anything. Lord, if we don't mean that in a selfish way, but Lord, we want the things that bring glory and honor to you. The Lord, if those around will see what God has done, and they will praise you. Lord, I pray for every member of this house, Lord. Everyone that knows you. Lord, that this year, 2015, would be a year like they've never had before. Lord, I pray that you would come in by your spirit. And Lord, as they open their hearts, that you would fill it. Lord, let us know you like never before. Lord, let souls be one in this house this year. Lord, we ask for souls. Lord, as a church specifically, we ask you for souls. We ask you that people would be born again of the Spirit. Born again of the Spirit. Blood-bought and washed clean. Lord, we ask you for that in Jesus' mighty name. That we would truly be worthy to bear the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we lift you up and we magnify you. 
We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood that makes all things possible. We thank you for the sacrifice of Calvary. We thank you for your nails in your hands, the nail in your feet, and the spear in your side. We thank you for your shed blood that makes all things possible. Lord, what a life you have given us. Lord, what a life you have given us because of Calvary. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or even download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.